beautiful women of God, whoever's tuning in today. Um, I just want to give you guys a word of encouragement as during this COVID-19 pandemic, we are still in God's waiting room. Last time, Breakthrough Women, we talked about being in God's waiting room. We were in Psalm 5. Uh, um, we talked about that. Tonight, we are going to be, today, we're going to be in Psalm 42. Uh, that's our main text if you want to turn there. I want to welcome you guys. God bless you. I'm going to open up in prayer as you turn to Psalm 42. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these beautiful women of God. I ask, Father, that your word would encourage us, would um, remind us to find meaning while we're waiting. And we trust you, Lord, and we love you. And we thank you for this day. Let it land on good ground. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and read to you Psalm 42, verses 1 through 8. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Verse 6, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Lazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Verse 8, day by day the Lord directs his love, and night his song is with me at night. I pray to the God of my life. Well, during the drought, this writer saw a female deer panting and struggling to reach water to quench her thirst. And this reminded him that he thirsted for the Lord and wanted to go on pilgrimage, on holy crusades, on mission trips. He used to lead these mission trips and these pilgrimage people to Jerusalem. The living God was the God of his life, and he could not live without him. You know, I think about the deer panting for the water, and it brings me back to a song that we used to sing, you know, growing up. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul. It's so, like, sweet, and it's such a sweet melody, and it's so calm. But have you ever really thought about a deer panting for water? Look at your dog or any animal that you've ever seen that is panting after a long walk or maybe they, they, they don't have any water and they're panting. It's not super um, peaceful. This deer was panting and struggling to reach the water to quench her thirst. And this is what this author is talking about. If you notice, all of the essentials for physical life are mentioned here. Air, panting, water and food in verses two and three, but without worship, in verse 4, life to him was meaningless. He was used to leading these crusades. Hunger and thirst are familiar images of the longing or pursuit of fellowship with God and the sacrifice that it brings. Day and night, he was feeling the pain caused by separation from God's sanctuary, from the people, from the pilgrimages. Does that sound familiar today? In the constant ridicule of people around him, he fed on his grief. Have you ever done this? Have I ever done this? Yes, I have. 
and his tears became his bread. His weeping was as regular as his eating had been. That's what it says in verse 3. Where is your God? They're asking him in verse 3. What a standard question for the Gentile idolaters to ask the Jews, right? What does that tell us about this author? Well, if they're asking, where is your God, your God, this must mean that they know he is a devout believer who wasn't ashamed of his faith. Otherwise, they wouldn't have questioned him, right? He remembers the better days. Are we doing that today? Are we remembering better days of gathering together in the church, leading people to Christ in person, in the flesh? Look at verse 4. He says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He used to lead processions. He used to lead pilgrimages into Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts. He's longing for this. He's missing this. He's thirsting for this. He's panting for this. Are we doing that today? Well, our memory today could either be a blessing to us, like medication for a troubled heart, or it can open new wounds and keep our pain really fresh. So as we're remembering that fellowshipping together and leading people and, and worshiping together as one accord, as a body of Christ in a building, those memories can be sweet and beautiful, but they can also be the opposite and they could be tormenting us even though they're good memories. If we let them, even good memories can cause discouragement. Amen? What do you mean by that? How could a good memory cause discouragement? What I mean is memory lane isn't always so smart. Maybe dwelling on what was or how things used to be going down isn't the smartest thing to do. It's great to have those memories, but don't dwell on them. We are right here, right now, where we need to be. God knew this was going to happen. Amen? So utilize this time. This writer poured out his soul in prayer, pleading for the Lord to set him free and take him back to Jerusalem. But look at what the Lord does in verse 5. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will set, I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This guy confronts himself. Amen? Not to be downcast or hopeless or discouraged, but he put his hope in the Lord and waited on him. The reception of this rebuking and the scolding that he did suggests that he was having a lot of ups and downs. And, he, and with his circumstances and with himself. Does this sound very familiar? Have we had our ups and downs while we've been on this COVID-19, uh, perhaps a pity party maybe? Don't struggle with your circumstances. It sounds so familiar. He's a man. We're just women. We're just people. We have to know that these days are gonna come, but we have to find consolation and peace only in the Lord. Amen? Not in nature or in memories or in nursing our memories or our own grief. His hopes had to be shattered. His prayers were unanswered. His enemies were vocal. And his own feelings were more than he could handle. Like I said, he was in a pity party, right? He was thirsting for God. Does that sound familiar to you today? I know it sounds awfully familiar to me. I've been in many pity parties over my life. But God's presence was with him, his presence. 
And God's presence is with us today. He is here. In verse 6 and 7 of our text, the emotional and spiritual environment changes from drought to a storm with the writer feeling like he was drowning in sorrow and pain. Let's read it together again. My soul is downcast, verse 6 says, within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, of Mount Mazar, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep, he says in verse 7. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. The Jordan River has its source in the Hermon Range. And the rains and the melting snow would turn the small streams into rivers of flowing water. And they would be dangerous white rapids. So it's a picture of intense suffering as he's saying they swept over me. He felt, a very, he felt very small in the midst of this storm, but he made a wise decision when he decided to remember that God is not the God of old days. The roaring rapids, the waterfalls, and the rushing waters were his, and the psalmist had nothing to fear. Amen? This reminds me of the night that Jesus walked on water um, when, when he frightened his disciples and he appeared at the boat. And that's found in Matthew 14. God was in command. A new day would dawn and the situation would look different. Amen. We serve that same God, ladies. In verse 8, the writer used Jehovah instead of Elohim. And this was a turning point from his difficult experiences. You see, Jehovah is the God of the covenant. Amen. The faithful God who cares for his people. He is the God who shows us his loving kindness and he gives us promises that we can claim and we can pray. He hears us when we praise him and when we worship him. He didn't have to go to Jerusalem, in other words, the house of God and lead people in and be together. He could worship God right where he was. The hand of God was with him in the daytime and the song of the Lord in the long hours of the night. Everything might have been changing but the Lord was still his rock, just like he's our rock today. Amen? He's ours. He's stable. He's strong. He's never changing. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So as we are all know, we're now waiting on God, it can get very discouraging. Yes, we can go back to those times. I miss you guys. I, I miss your touch. I miss hugging and kissing your cheeks and loving my, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in that way. But we can't let those memories cause discouragement. We can smile and we can love those memories and remember those times. And I'm not saying they're ever going to come back again. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for right now, for such a time as this, Christ has us exactly where he wants us. He has you exactly where he wants you. Call on Jehovah. Call on him. Look with him and, and, and examine yourself and any underlying causes that might be uh, causing you to go back to these memories and feel discouragement if you are today. Admit that we're discouraged. Um, um, I've kind of, I've, I've found that when we admit things that, that we can't ignore, we can easily avoid them and we can easily push them aside, amen? But don't do that. Admit those things, confess them to God. Yes, discouragement and worry and fear and doubt are sin. Discouragement is absolutely something that is saying that you're not trusting God. We have to put our trust in Him. 
God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that's found in Timothy. Paul was talking to Timothy. He was, uh, he was um, exhorting him. He was lifting him up. He was reminding him of Lois and Eunice and saying that you have that same gift within you. You need to not have a spirit of fear. You need to have power, love, and a sound mind and get the word out there because you're gifted. God has gifted each of you. God has gifted each of us. And he's giving us each a word and a, not, and a time and a talent. Those things that he has given you, they are from him, my friend. And if you don't believe in God today, if you don't believe that there's a God that gave you the gifts and the talents that he has given you, please know that you know deep inside your heart there is a God and he loves you very much. He loves you very much. He has given you the breath that you breathe. He has given you a singing voice if that is your gift, an instrument, a word, talents of, 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 of helping others a sacrificial heart. He's given you all these things. All things that are good are from God and he loves you and he created you to use those gifts and those things for his glory and for his people to build each other up. Begin to meditate frequently on scripture. My husband writes down scriptures on note cards and he sticks them in his pocket. He'll take a scripture a day or maybe a scripture for a few days. I don't know exactly, but he puts them in his pocket. And all throughout the day, I see him pulling out this scripture more now that we're home together every day. He pulls out this scripture and he reads them and he sticks it back in his pocket. And I know what he's doing. He's getting the word in his heart. He's meditating on the word of God so we don't get through that discouragement. We don't get to that place where we can't trust. Take your area of discouragement to God in prayer. Ask God to reveal what he wants to teach you in this area once he reveals it. Focus on the Lord, not your situation. Ask him to help you. View the cause as coming from the Lord. If we understand that he allows disappointments, he allows these things to happen. I'm not saying he cursed us with it or he, he caused it to happen because of this and that, but he's allowing things to happen. God allows it. Amen. Don't allow what he's allowing to be wasted. Use it. Utilize it. Amen. Admonish someone. Build someone up. Amen. Confess these things. The Father is with me in the pain. He is in control of my life and has allowed for this reason. He is a good God who will not let this disappointment be in vain. Amen. Speak these truths out loud as often as needed and do them with your family. Do them with your kids. Discouragement may sound harmless enough, but please don't underestimate its power. It's very powerful, but how many of you know that we have a powerful God that's above discouragement? He sent his son to die for you and to die for me because he um, wanted us to be able to have that, that power and that, that ability and that hope and that trust to be able to get through times like this. Remember that Jehovah God is with you just as he was with the psalmist in our text today. And he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I want to bless you guys. I want to pray that you would um, enjoy your, your time, that you would take time to um, read your scriptures, to meditate on them. And don't be discouraged because we can't be together physically. Just know that this is for a season, for such a time as this. 
I love you. And I thank you, Breakthrough Women. Um, we hope to see you 7 p.m. at our Zoom Breakthrough Women's Bible Study. If you would like an invitation to that, please email me. Your, uh, send me your email in a message. I love you. I love you. I love you, precious ones. And God loves you so much. Your breakthrough is coming.